So over the last couple of weeks, actually for two weeks, I didn't have voice enough to preach. And Charlotte did tell me the other day, I can't preach three Sundays in a row. To which I replied, of course you can, but uh, I hope you don't need to. So uh, it's great to be back sharing with you today. Um, one, of, one of the things about our background, which many of you are aware of, is that before we moved to Long Island, uh, I was pastoring in the northeast of Scotland for 15 years in a remote community on the northeast corner, right on the shore. And one of the things I loved was you could just literally walk out of our house and you were on the shore. And, and there was the North Sea. And uh, it, it kind of sounds idyllic, it was in many ways, but do bear in mind, we didn't have a climate anything like as good as the climate we've got here on Long Island. So it's not like you sat on the beach and enjoyed summer days. You did not sit on the beach on summer days. But um, it, was, it was a beautiful spot to be. And sometimes, particularly on a summer evening, I'd go and I'd just stand outside our house and I would just stand and just look at the sea and take it in. And some nights it was so beautifully still and absolutely flat calm. And you could barely hear the waves just lapping on the shore. And it was, it was, it was very calming. But then there were the nights when the North Sea was at its wildest and at its craziest. And you could hardly sleep at night for the noise of the waves crashing that you could still hear inside the house. And if you went out there there were some of the biggest waves that you ever saw. The sea looked angry. I remember one Sunday afternoon, it was like that, and we had scheduled to do some baptisms at the shore that Sunday afternoon. And we went down there, and an old fisherman came to me and said, you're going to cancel this, aren't you? And I said, why? And he said, because it's life-taking. You can't go in there. So after we'd baptized all the people that were, <laughs> you knew that was coming, right? <laughs> but, but you know what? We didn't, the, when folks were getting baptized, you, I didn't have to take them far out into the water. We just stood here up to the shins and the next big wave that came, just totally, it was, you know, what you really had to be careful of was the drag as it went out again, didn't take you out with it. It was wild. It was wild. It was hard to stand up, but we did it and nobody perished. Sometimes I feel like life in America in 2023 is getting a bit like a wild night on the North Sea. It's loud and it's angry and it's difficult and it's complicated which leaves people stressed, depressed, anxious, angry, disappointed, sad. And, and over the next few weeks, I, I called this teaching series, Why Can't We All Just Calm Down? Of course, the main reason we can't just calm down is it's not that easy. In fact, if you want somebody to calm down, don't ever tell them to calm down. Okay, they might well slap you, okay? 
But, but he, here's a Bible verse that really many of you will be familiar with, which is, I think, central to this. It's from the book of Romans, chapter 12 and verse 2. Here's what the Bible says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and my prayer is that over these next few weeks, that actually that's something that we experience. We experience a transformation in our thinking as we allow God to transform, to renew our minds, and as we look at how the Bible says, we can actually go about that. Here's my prayer for you. It's a verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Here's my prayer for you all over this next few Sundays. I want to encourage you to do your best to be here every week. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May the peace of God be your experience through and through as we go through this series together. May God be your peace. Hey, turn to the person on your left. Say, God is my peace. Now turn to the person you chose not to talk to and, and, and say to them, God is my peace. And, and, and you know what? My, my, my prayer is that over these next few weeks, that becomes more and more of a reality in every one of our lives, living in the turmoil and the chaos of this present age. There, there's a, there's a pretty, uh, pretty much an unbiblical and an old way of thinking that, and some of you, a lot of you will have run into this, it particularly been in church circles for any length of time. There's, there's an old unbiblical way of thinking that if you belong to Jesus, nothing should trouble you. Hey, come on, he saves you, he forgives you, he redeems you, he fills you with his power, he said he'll never leave you, he tells you everything's gonna work together for good. Who's got it better than you? But while all that's true, it still doesn't insulate us against some of the major challenges of life. Because here's the truth. Just because, just because, I, I'll take the just out. Because Jesus saves you, it doesn't mean he fixes every area in your life automatically. Is, is, that, is that right? Okay, it's a new year, you're getting back into things. I say something good, you say amen, okay? <laughs> just, just reminding you how we work things around here, right? But isn't that your experience too? You know, when, when I gave my life to Christ, everything wasn't suddenly fixed. And it, and it wasn't in your life as well for that matter. Nobody ever said, I gave my life to Jesus and my credit score improved. <laughs> right, right, that, 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 that never happened. 
You know, when I gave my life to Christ, my hair got thicker, my thighs got thinner. No. No, no, that, 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 that didn't work either. It, it, it didn't work that way. Just become, because you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean your boss is going to be nicer tomorrow or that your bank account will suddenly shoot up. And when you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that instantly you are physically or for that matter, mentally healthy. You can still be battling problems. And the point is our state of mind, really much like our physical health, is never static, it changes. You can be really healthy for a little while and then something happens, something comes up, there's a change comes up, whether it's physically or whether it's emotionally, perhaps some trauma in your life, some issue that you were suddenly facing and then suddenly, mentally, you're in a very bad place. And when we're not in a good place in our heads, it affects every other aspect of our life because how we think impacts how we feel, and how we feel affects what we do. So where our heads are at is a very important starting point. That's why the Bible says to us that we need to be transformed by our mind being renewed. Because as our minds are renewed, not only are we gonna be thinking differently, we are gonna be feeling differently, and we are gonna be living differently. But, but so much of it starts right there. Proverbs 23, seven says this, as he thinks within himself, so he is. They tell me that's true about ladies as well as men, all right? So, so as he thinks within himself, so he is. Why can't we all just calm down? Well, because it's a complicated issue. But we do need to get to the place where our minds are not being tyrannized and where we are living in God's peace. So I call today Facing Facts, and I'm, I'm gonna make three pretty straightforward statements, and I'm gonna start with this, and you've probably never heard a pastor talk about this in church before, but um, I determined to preach about things that matter to the people that are listening, rather than talking about theological points that don't impact their lives, all right? So, I'm touching on stuff that I believe will be relevant to many of you. Fact number one, Christians struggle with mental health. See, I've heard too many people go down the road of saying, well, if you're a Christian because you know the Lord, you shouldn't battle with anxiety, you shouldn't be depressed, you shouldn't be burned out, you shouldn't be struggling, you shouldn't be worrying. And if you do, chances are, it's your fault and you need to change something. And, and what you need to do, and, and, and you know the list. Oh, you know, you, you, I think you probably need to pray more. How's your prayer life? Okay. So will the person who couldn't do with praying a bit more, please stand up? <laughs> right? Or, or you know what, I think you, need to, I think you need to probably be reading the Bible more. Or, or, or may, maybe, there's, maybe there's some kind of sin in your life and you need to confess that sin and you need to get it out. And if you get that sin out of your life, your anxiety's gonna go. You won't feel overwhelmed any longer. You won't feel burned out and the sun will shine again. Baloney. 
The fact is you can love Jesus and still be fighting depression. And some of you today might be in that position right now. You can be reading the Bible regularly, know it insides out and still battle anxiety. Okay? You can attend church faithfully. You can sit on the front row. Raise your hands as we sing all of the songs. Say amen the loudest. I, I like those people. And you know, you can, you know, you can be giving regularly, tithing your heart away, but still in some way struggle to overcome trauma. And I just want to remind you this morning, if that's where you're at, it doesn't make you a failure in life or in God's eyes. It actually puts you in very good company. Like Elijah the prophet. So a number of you will know the story well. So Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament, here he is and, and uh, the whole of the nation, it seems, has given itself over to worshiping an idol called Baal. Uh, and, and here's Elijah, the prophet, and, and, and he calls out the prophets of Baal and says, let's have a contest and let's see whose God's a real God. And so he sets up this whole contest on a place called Mount Carmel, and they set up sacrifices on altars, and he says, the one whose God sends fire down from heaven to burn up the sacrifice, he's the real God right? And so they go at this, prophets of Baal go first. They go at it all day. No fire comes, nothing happens. So Elijah says, let me show you a thing or two. So he gets them, first of all, to dig ditches around the bottom of his altar. Then he gets them to absolutely soak the sacrifice in water so that the ditches are full with water. And then he just looks to God and says, God, you hear what they're saying? Can you fix this? And immediately fire comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, laps up all of the water. Everybody realizes that Elijah's God is the God. And Elijah and his small crew of guys, they actually kill all the prophets of Baal. And everybody's coming to realize Elijah's God is the real God, which, 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 which all sounds like a very cool story until the queen got word of it and said, Elijah's a dead man. And then Elijah runs away in terror. And here's what it says in 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. It says, he came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. It was a high point in his life. It was a ridiculously high point in his life. But now all of a sudden, something comes up that switches his mindset, switches his thinking. And here he is now saying, God, I'm just done with this. I want to die. And I just want to remind you, if you struggle at times or are struggling right now, to overcome anxiety and fear and depression. I want to remind you, you're in pretty good company because Elijah was somebody. Or how about this? King David, who as a boy fought and killed Goliath, right? So here's King David. You know King David. King David's the, 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 the dead cool, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Psalm 23, he wrote it. But the same David wrote Psalm 142. 
And here's what he said there. I sink in despair, my spirit ebbing away. It's like, I'm going under. I'm going under. That's one of the things I love about the book of Psalms is, is, is what you get in the book of Psalms is, is you get like, you get life in all its different shades. So here's David at one point writing Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am absolutely cool and everything's good. And then here's David at another point saying, I'm sinking in despair. My spirit is ebbing away, overwhelmed with despair, wondering if God had abandoned it. And if you've been there or if you are there, I just want to tell you today, you know what? God doesn't want you to dwell there and God doesn't want you to stay there, but it doesn't make you a bad person because you are there just now. In fact, it looks like you're in good company. David was there. Let me give you one more. One, one, one of the key spokespersons for God in the Old Testament was the prophet Jeremiah. So the book of Jeremiah occupies a significant chunk of the Bible. And Jeremiah is speaking on God's behalf to, 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 to God's people. He was somebody. But Jeremiah had his moments. Chapter 20 and verse 14. Curse the day I was born. The day my mother bore me, a curse on it, I say. So here's Jeremiah who said all these brilliant things. You, you know how Jeremiah was described? You know, you know, you know how, what they, they called him? His nickname was, he's the weeping prophet. That was him. He battled with loneliness. He battled with insecurity. See, the message too often in the church is, you know what, you just need some more of God. Listen, folks, we all need more of God. It might be that you actually need more sleep. Sorry, that's not really very scriptural, is it? You, you want his, yes, it is scriptural. The Bible says he gives his beloved rest. You might need better friends. Hey. Eh? Hey, going into this study in Job, you'll find that Job at one point was surrounded by guys who spoke so negatively, they, they, they dragged him down further. And, and it may be you need better friends. You need people who really are standing by you. Maybe you need people that are praying for you. It, and it could be so many other things. Anxiety depression, and you're trying to do better, and you don't seem to be able to get far. I just want to say number one today, if you are struggling today, it doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. It means you're human. Okay? Christians struggle with mental health. Okay, number two, God cares about your mental health. God cares. God cares about where you're at. Psalm 34 and verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I love that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There's a well-known Bible verse you'll see sometimes on 
on, on memes or you'll see it on, on whatever fridge magnets. It's, it's Psalm 46 and verse 1, which says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God cares about your mental health. Or let's go back to David on a good day. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Look at the next bit. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he says, breathe. Rest. He leads me beside the still waters. He takes me away from the chaos. He restores my soul. The Lord, our shepherd, cares about us. In our most difficult moments at times, there's a, you know, sometimes we talk about the book of Psalms as if David wrote them all, but he didn't. There are a number of other writers who composed different ones of the Psalm. The Psalm 88 was written by a man by the name of Heman, H-E-M-A-N. Heman, from the little we know about him, was wise, he was a musician, he was a worshiper, he was a servant of the king, he was a man of God. That's, that's what we know about. So he had a lot going for him and a good relationship with God. But, but, but you know this? Psalm 88 that he wrote is one of only two psalms that don't have a positive ending. There's a bunch of psalms that start out negative, and then the writer gets himself to a place of faith. But Psalm 88 starts miserable and ends that way. Verse 3, he says, I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted as those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave whom you remember no more, who were cut off from your care. You've put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. That was how he felt. He felt, God, I'm in the lowest pit. I'm in the darkest depths. And it could be, for some of you, that's where your life seems to be to you right now. I'm in the deepest I'm in the darkest depths. But there's one thing that he, man, and you have in common. Despite where you feel things are at, you're here this morning and you're connecting with God. And he, man, in his dark moments, continued talking to God. Verse 13, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. So, so here's what he does. But he says, Lord, but I'm going to keep talking to you. And I'm going to keep asking you for help. And if you're in the position today where you feel that you're at the, as low as things can get and as low as you could go, I just want to remind you that God cares. And I want to encourage you, keep talking to God about it. When you hurt, he cares. When darkness is your closest friend, that matters to God. 
Don't swallow the nonsense that people will try to push on you that it's your fault because spiritually you're not who you should be and you're not where you should be. Pray more, trust more, believe more. Ask God if there's some secret sin in your life. How many of us ever had to ask God to show us a secret sin? I've been a believer over 60 years. I'm still working on the ones I'm aware of. It's like, God, I think I'm, I pretty much cracked it, God, and uh, you know. I think I'm pretty well up to snuff, but if there should be something, uh, please feel free to mention it. No. But there are always folks who start to, you know, you know, almost like pass judgment and make us doubt ourselves. I'm, 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 a, big, I'm a big fan of, I've said this before, of Simon and Garfunkel, and um, I know probably two whole generations of you that just went, <laughs> and, and I'm sorry for you. Um, but, but, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of Simon and Garfunkel. And some of you who remember some of their music uh, will, will, will be familiar with the fact that they, they did a song called Kodachrome. And Kodachrome starts with these words. When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. And you know something? This is sad, but it's true. When I think back on all the crap I've heard in church life, it's a wonder I believe it all. But I do. I believe God. Don't take on board everything everybody will try to dump on you. But recognize this. If you're struggling, if you're battling, if you're confused, if you're down, if you're depressed, recognize this. That doesn't mean there's a failure on your part, but I'll tell you what it does mean. God cares. And you might not be able to feel him, but God is near. God is near. He cares about where you're at. You know something? One of the things I love about our church family is we don't pretend about stuff. You know, when you come in this door, it's okay not to be okay. We, our prayer is that you won't stay not okay, but it's okay. We don't all have to come in, put on our Sunday smile, and, and, and play pretending games. We can come in as us. I know there are people who value us and love us and care about us as we are. It's okay not to be okay. And recognizing that there, there are a multitude of ways sometimes to address it. You know, I mean, you, you may be in a situation where you've wondered, should you, could you uh, see a therapist, see a counselor, and maybe you need to do that, and that will help you. But I just want to remind you, it's not weakness on your part. It's a health issue that God cares about. So here's, here's, here's where we go now. Fact number three, God has answers for your mental health. God has answers for your mental health. So, so back to this verse in Romans, <coughs> excuse me, Romans 12 and verse two. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. So, There's something very similar to that in Ephesians 4 where 
the Apostle Paul writing this letter prays for the readers that they will be made new in the attitude of your minds. God has answers. The answer includes being made new in the attitude of your minds. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God's got for you and God wants for you. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus uh, in, in verse 37, uh, basically abbreviated, condensed the Ten Commandments. And, and, in the, and, and here's what he said in the first part of it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And, and what I want to throw out to you today is this. Maybe we need to get better at loving God with our minds. Having our minds more fixed on God. Having our minds more readily and quickly gravitate towards God. Training our minds so that they don't always go to the scenarios that are playing out in our heads, but they go to who God is and how God is. I, I've been reading some stuff um, in, in, in getting ready for this series, and uh, uh, I, I mean, you know, the majority of you here today know me. Basically, you, you, you know, I'm a pastor. That's all I've ever done. That's, um, that's been me my whole working life. I've been a pastor, and uh, that's what I am. I'm not pretending to be a... I'm not pretending to be a scientist. I'm certainly not pr pretending to be a medical professional. But, but I've read some things that I think are very significant here. So, so here's the thing, which many of you will know. The, the brain, once we're born, starts to grow. It starts to develop as we learn things, as we grasp things. And one of the things that happens is, is, is that our, our, our brains, there are like pathways that actually form in our minds, which are called neural pathways. And so it's like a well-worn path that sort of, you know, when, when this hits me, my mind goes here. It's like for the first eight years that we were in this building, when I left here, I went out, made a left, got onto horse block, made a left, went onto 112 and went north because that's the way I went home. And I did that for eight years. And then two years ago, we moved house. And the first day I was here in the office after we moved house, I had to pause and think. What's the best way to get there? Right? Okay, I'm not as dumb as that sounds, but you know, right? <laughs> right, but, but it's like, you know, okay, I, uh, which, which way do I go? 
And, 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 you know, I set up a whole new routine where I turn right when I go out of the building here. I go out onto 101 and I go north on 101 to get home. But, but, but I set up a different kind of path and a different kind of routine. And, and what happens apparently in our brains is there, there are kind of roads and there are paths and there are patterns in our brain that, that, that almost then become automatic to us that we go down these particular roads. And, and that's why in the, in the book of Romans chapter 12, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to start to train our mind to go down a different road. So, 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 so that when bad news hits us, it's like, all right, you know, we might have been geared to over for years. When bad news hits us, we go down to worst case scenarios straight away. And maybe we need to start to make a new road. It happens in lots of different ways. Some of you have got a road like that in your carpet between your recliner and your refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, really, really, serious, seriously, because I've, I've looked at it from this perspective. So, so, it, so, so it's like the brain can actually get into a routine so that at 8.30 in the evening, it tells you there's ice cream. <laughs> right? And, 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 and you keep telling yourself every night when you finished it, okay, that's it, I'm not doing this tomorrow. Right? And tomorrow your brain triggers at 8.30, let's go down that road. And, and you know, what we gotta do is we've actually gotta retrain our brain. And stop buying ice cream, but that's another issue altogether. <laughs> but that's, right? But we've gotta retrain our brain. When this happens or I start to go there, I'm not gonna go down that road, but you've gotta have the alternative road. And what I want to encourage you to do today is to start to love God more with your mind and to develop new paths of thinking that don't necessarily go to the negative, to the worst case scenario. I, I've, ta I've talked to you before about this particular principle when it comes to forgiveness. How do you forgive people? You don't forgive people one and done. Right, is that, is that fair? Yes. I mean, generally you don't. It's like, yeah, I've forgiven him, I'm good. You know, you might think you forgave them one and done and then you see them next week and you wanna kill them. <laughs> and, and what I learned about forgiveness is I've gotta keep on training my mind to go down a different road. So, when I saw that person, my gut reaction might always have been that all the bitterness and everything else started to come back up again, but I train my mind this way. I say, but I forgive, but I forgive, but I forgive, until the day dawns when you can walk past them in the supermarket and it doesn't even bother you at all because you've, what you've done is developed a different pathway and a different route. You go in a different direction nowadays when you think about them or when they see them. Disconnecting your mind from the negative, connecting it to the positive. And I'll give you a biblical foundation, is that the time? I'll give you a biblical foundation for that. Isaiah 26, three, you will keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Train your mind to be stayed on, fixed on. The actual word that's used in the Greek of the Old Testament, the Hebrew of the Old Testament there, literally means to prop, to prop up, to rest your whole weight on. God will keep us in perfect peace if our minds are leaning on him. Train your mind to go towards God. Train your mind to think about God. Renewing our minds. The craziness, the toxicity, the hatefulness, the bitterness, the negativity. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, I want to be really practical now, and I want to give you one practical way in which you could do that going out of here today and this week. And that is this. I just want to, I just, I actually just want to give you one Bible verse. And uh, I want you to take a look at this verse. It's Psalm 27 and verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? All right, I want us to read that together. Okay, you good? You good? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? All right, I want you to, let's read that again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We're transformed by the renewing of our minds, by, by making our minds, our thoughts go in a different direction. Now, here's what I really want to encourage you to do. Take this verse, Psalm 27 and verse 1. Now, I appreciate you go out the door in a few minutes, and you probably won't remember where it was, and that's fine. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> We will post it on our Genesis Church Facebook page and on our Instagram today, so that you'll see it there. I'll email it out to everybody's on our emailing list. I want you to get this verse, grab this verse, learn this verse, and I want you to use this verse to create a different path in your mind. When your mind goes to your fears, when your mind goes to your anxiety, when your mind goes to your depressed state, when your mind goes into negativity, you pull it back in and you say to yourself, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And you know what? It's okay to say it twice. So you, you tell yourself, no, no, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, retrain your mind. Renew your mind. Because when we renew our minds, we become transformed. Because how we think affects how we feel, which impacts what we do. It all begins with renewing our minds. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Start to create a different pathway. 
Our spiritual enemy is determined to take us down, but he can't because God is with us. And we need to live out the promise that Jesus gave when he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This world can't give it, but this world can't take it away either. Listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Start to renew your mind by creating pathways that lead you to God's truth. Amen. Let's pray together just now.